Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Berry. This is my always very good friend, Father Richard Heilman. We've got Desmond Birch on with us tonight, talking about serious prophecy and the end times. You're going to want to stick around for this one. Of course, everything starts with prayer. And Father, that's your department. All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Father. Thank you to all of our wonderful supporters out there. U.S. Grace Force is here because of you. We thank you so much for your constant prayers, your encouragement, your financial support to the Patreon program. We always bring this up at the beginning of the program. We're so thankful for all of the support in every way, shape, and form. For those who want to keep us tucked in your rosaries or in your moments of adoration, we thank you so much for that. Offer us up maybe in a prayer intention at Mass. That's powerful as well. And for those of you who like to support us through the Patreon program, click the link in the description below. A few dollars here and there definitely makes a big difference. So we encourage you to join the Patreon team and help us continue to get this message out, especially a message like this. Are we in the end times? Very serious conversation to have. And of course, Father, you uh, wanted to get Desmond on, and I think it's a great, great guest to discuss this topic. Yeah. Uh, Desmond, uh, I've known you for many, many years and just admired your work. Uh, before Stay I introduce here. you, though, thank you. <laughs> before I introduce you, though, I, I just want to draw attention to a uh, what I call a spiritual crusade. What, what we're going to do is the Monday after Ash Wednesday, it begins. It's called 90 Days to Liberty, okay? And it goes up to Pentecost. So, you know, that's why we picked Monday after after Ash Wednesday. But I think it's pretty cool, too, because you, you have the Sunday, you know, where you're, you should uh, take a day of rest. And then we charge at it on Monday. My dad always started all his, his uh, fitness programs on Monday. Going to start this on Monday. <laughs> but anyways, so we're going to start this on Monday. Uh, that's uh, February 27th. And we're asking everybody to be involved with this. What is it? Well, think of Nineveh. Think of Jonah going through Nineveh. And, you know, uh, he was warning them. And what did they do? They turned. I mean, not just turned. I mean, they put on sackcloth and ashes. They fasted. They prayed. But what were they doing? They were, they were basically begging God, but they were showing God that they're quite serious about their prayer. That's what we're doing with this 90 Days to Liberty. We've undergone historic oppression in the last few years for sure. But for several years now, a lot of people are saying, is something coming? You know, and, uh, and it, what we want to do, listen, in 2018, we did this and we called it 90 Days to Life. And, and. And, and we uh, did that. And then it was only a few weeks after we were completed this, that the seat opened to the Supreme Court and they had that, you know, horrible uh, time with uh, uh, getting uh, Kavanaugh in there. And then it was a, a little while after that, that Amy Coney Barrett came in with another open seat. And then we just had uh, Roe v. Wade go down June 24th, the power of prayer. We got to believe in it. Okay. What we're going to do is we're going to call it to God and say, you know, this, this oppression is bad. And, and, and we want to reclaim surrendered ground from our oppressors. And so we're going to ask people, uh, we're going to have daily reflections. So go to 
usgraceforce.com and you'll see the information there, 90 days to liberty. Uh, but we're going to uh, pray intensely. We're going to work hard at those baseline foundational, build your house on rock, not on sand, those foundational prayers that every Catholic should have. And I actually developed something, and, and here it is. This is called Peace Through Strength Journal, okay? That's from the quote from Ronald Reagan. We maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness only invites aggression. I think everybody that's listening right now would agree. We're getting pummeled because we're weak, okay? We got to get strong. That's what we're doing for 90 days. And we're going to be like those Ninevites. We're going to call it to God and we're going to beg him, okay? But something's going on, right? I mean, everybody's, is this the end times? Is I mean, it's it just, it, we're punch drunk uh, for, from what our oppressors are doing to us right now. And and you couldn't find a better expert uh, than Desmond Birch. I, I, like I say, I've known him for years, but uh, the big thing is monumental work. He uh, wrote what's called Trial, Tribulation, and Triumph. Okay, so he's a trained scholar in, in eschatology, and he sought information about the end times in the United States and deep within the Vatican Library to shape and form this monumental work, uh, Trial, Tribulation, and Triumph. He knows every prophecy. He knows the ones that are approved and the ones are, that aren't, and the ones we should really be looking at. But uh, Desmond, um, thank you so much for coming on. But a lot of people are wondering, you know, like, like the title of our, our podcast today, are we in the end times? Um, and so we want you on to help us to, to understand what are the really solid uh, approved prophecies that are, that are really talking about where we're at right now? So maybe, Desmond, you could kind of help us out. What, what, are, what are some of the prophecies that we should be looking at first as, the, as our show is starting here that really point to what our times are right now and give us an indication? Is this the end times or is it something else? Um, can you help us with that? Well, the church can. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I only I only work with church approved prophecy. Yes. Uh, it's not that I put myself above anybody else's view. Everybody the church right in the catechism teaches that the faithful, the 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 common faithful, they have the sense of the faith to use to determine what they think constitutes a message from God or what doesn't. No Catholic, despite what some people I, I I ran into a cleric about two weeks ago, tried to tell me that uh, there are private prophecies that Catholics are absolutely morally bound to believe. And I said, I'm sorry, Father, that's not what the church teaches. And this, this man is no buffoon. He's been around. There's a lot of confusion. I'm told this story only to let you know. There's a lot of confusion even amongst the clergy about this because eschatology, the way it used to be taught 150 years ago and before, has not been taught now since the since the late 1800s. So <clears throat> they, they just come up with a few general ideas about what eschatology is. It doesn't give them any way to, to judge how to guess what gets the hay down where the horses can get at it. De so, Desmond, can I just interrupt real quick? Can you help yeah. the audience understand just a quick definition of eschatology? Ah, it's a study of the end time goals things that will lead up to it, series of events that will lead up to it, and how it concludes. And there is a chronology to it. 
uh, very definitely is a chronology. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not gonna mention anybody's name, but in a very, very well-known uh, Catholic theologian. When I say very well-known, and a very good one too, I might add. Uh, if I mentioned his name, everybody go, him? He said that? Many, many years ago when he was a young fellow, when he was still a priest and, and a college prof, he, he wrote a book about eschatology in which he said, there's no chronology to the end time events. Well, <laughs> uh, I mentioned this to a friend who, is, who is a, has his licentiate in theology from the Angelicum in Rome. And, and I, I told him, I said, what do you think of that? And he says, well, that doesn't make any sense. He said, we know at least one thing nobody could deny. At the, the very last eschatological event is when Jesus returns to judge the living and the dead for crying out loud. And I said, yes, exactly so. That man turned around. I better not get too specific about this because I don't want anybody to know who I'm talking about. Uh, some decades ago and said and revised his his estimate as to whether there was any chronology to it. And he said, the, uh, the, uh, the Antichrist, and, uh, and he mentioned one other thing, it wasn't the fullness of the Gentiles. Uh, at any rate, he admitted those had become, he called them negative events. Well, trial, tribulation, and triumph, I'd called them negative signs about 15 years before that, earlier than that. Where are we right now? Let's start out with me just showing you this. Between the two red markers, ta-da, this much of this book, over 100 pages, is just about what many, many stu students of end times have called the minor chastisement. Why is it called minor? Because it won't be the major chastisement of the Antichrist. It'll just seem like it is to the people who are going through it. Now, do you people know any people out there right now with the, with the things, developments in the last two, three years? Who, have you not met anybody who thought, hey, this this got to be it. This The Antichrist has got to be coming because look what's happening. Well, prof, the, the church-proved prophecies, which, some of which I'm going to synopsize here, make that very clear. That's the impression they will get. And there's a reason for this. Because those same prophecies say that it, towards the end, when it gets straightened out, by his divine intervention, all of them say this thing ends with God's divine intervention in such a dramatic way that every living soul who hasn't died during this minor chastisement will see the hand of God. And whether they choose to love God or not after that, they'll have to admit to themselves and to everybody else it was the hand of God. Satan will be glad to admit it at that point because everybody's going to know it. He'll say, who wants to serve him? There will be men and women who will say that same thing. Prophecies make that very clear. There are a number of people who will realize who will realize God is the one to turn things around, who will reject it. No, that's not my plan. My plan is Satan's plan. I will not serve. What we are facing today is massive dosages of by Catholics, baptized, born and raised and trained Catholics. I will not serve. If that seems like an extreme statement, just munch on it a little bit over the next right. week. Okay, so let me start with some of these. 
and some of these you're going to choke on, but <laughs> it's it's there. the The record is there. Okay, um, I got to go there. Okay, starts with chronology of prophecies concerning a minor chastisement. Uh, I'm not going to read them all. I'm just going to hit some highlights. I've got about 10, 10 or 12 tabs there that I'm going to turn to just to give you a foretaste. Okay. First, the prophecy of Premal. This is from the fifth century in the 400s. Very well known by students of prophecy. This prophecy has been mentioned in my introduction by every serious chronicler of the prophecies over the last 1500 years. Read this prophecy carefully. I'm just going to read you part of it. Now, just so you know, I was asked by one time, Desmond, can you tell me what prophecy is? I said, you want a one-liner definition? He says, yes. A prophecy, especially a private, but better private revelation too, uh, is a revelation of something or a thing which lies hidden from the past, the present, or the future. It's just that simple. Something which lies hidden, which we could never fathom or know outside of God's prophecy from the past, the present or the future, okay? Now, this one is from the fifth, from the from the 400s, the fifth century. Must also the elements be in, be the instrument of thy wrath? I think we got some weather problems, folks. But mercy, mercy for Rome. But thou hearest not my entreaties. And Rome also collapses in tumult. And I see the king of Rome, the pope with his cross and his tiara, shaking the dust off his shoes and hastening in his flight over, over uh, to other shores. Thy church, O Lord, is torn apart by her own children. That ring any bells, sports fans? The church is torn, torn apart by her own children? Okay, gonna zip ahead to the next one. This is from Bishop Christianus uh, Agueda from the 12th century, the 1100s. In the 20th century, there will be wars and fury which will last long and into the after. Provinces devastated of their people and kingdoms uh, in confusion. In diverse places, the ground shall be untilled and there shall be great slaughters of the nobility. Paren and upper, and upper class. That's what I, my paren. There shall be great uh, mutilations of kings and rulers. The right hand of the world shall fear the left and the north shall prevail over the south. Now, for those of you were in your 20s or 30s or maybe even your 40s, this might not make any sense. But uh, the, the French Revolution, uh, the, the Russian czars, I mean, the, 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 the royalty of country after country was decimated in the last 150 years. Uh, it's predicting all of this, okay? So next, St. Hildegard of Bingen, 12th century, 1100s. Then within the Christian people, the Holy Godhead will accomplish signs and wonders as it accomplishes them as, he, the, he, as it accomplished them at the time of Moses with the pillar of cloud and as Michael the archangel did when he fought the, the heathen for the sake of, of Christians. Because of Michael's help, God's faithful children will march under his protection. She's talking about now. And if, if you want, no, I haven't shown any proof of that yet. It, it, it's coming, okay? She describes events in the 20th century down to, down to a T. But for now, we've got another prophet from the 14th century. I'm just hitting, picking a few out of 100, pa 100 pages of text and not even covering everything in these individual ones. Brother John of the Clef, Clef Rock, 
at that time, the Pope of the Cardinals will have to flee Rome in trying to, uh, in trying circumstances to a place where he will be unknown. He will die a cruel death in his exile. There have been four other Canonized Saints, Blessed or Venerable, prophesied in different countries, different cultures, different centuries, exactly the same thing. And Desmond, I'm, I'm jump in here real quick, if you don't mind. A um, couple things come to my mind. Number one, Good. Uh, if you could explain a little bit more, you talk about elements in one of the prophecies, the elements of nature. A lot of us have been just convinced, I am not, don't, don't worry, that this is all about climate change. And the reason we're seeing... <laughs> sorry. I had a feeling you'd laugh at this. One. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. But but is but this is this is a problem where we have had prophecies, and I've I've read prophecies too about this that that there will be natural disasters will increase and so forth. You know, church approved prophecies. Sure, sure. And yet this emphasis, you know, now we've got you know like the World Economic Forum and and uh, is 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 instituting policy after policy. Governments everywhere are doing this. And everything is is this critical existential threat uh, of a climate problem, but people aren't knowing and hearing, which is why I'm really glad you brought this up. We need to, if we can address just briefly here, that these prophecies state that God is going to allow nature to get a little uh, worked rambunctious. up, so to speak. Can a little you address that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, in, in general, so then when we see this and hear this, whether it's Earthquakes, hurricanes, tornadoes. Earthquakes. You will be hearing about earthquakes. <laughs> yeah, serious, just serious weather issues. And instead of us, instead of the world looking at, oh, it's all about climate and it's about cows. We need to get rid of cows and, you know, and start eating crickets. And this is the sort of stuff that's going on right this moment in mm -hmm. our society and in our world. I just want the audience to really understand there are prophecies that go way back, are there not then, about nature god allowing nature earth Absolute, yes to rise up as part of chastisement it's it's as a series of wake-up calls for the folks mm. by the time that things really hit their peak there was not going to be a person on earth that hasn't received a message from god that he needs to amend his life whether they understand whether they whether they're already christians or not they will all get this uh not necessarily about a hot flash from heaven, but by the chain of events. Um, people, when people see throughout history, pagans, everybody's, when they see a horrible earth, earth, uh, earthly uh, carnage, they, they, it's like the old saying, there aren't any, there aren't any, uh, uh, any uh, atheists in the foxholes. Mm -hmm. There are a few, but not many. Most of the guys dropped to the guys you saw. Uh, making jokes about Catholics and virginity, and they were talking like, you know, normal street scum. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, a dirty word would not clear their mouth when it comes down to push and shove, and they think they're about to die. There's a wake-up call that can get to everybody, and everybody's yeah. going to get one in one form or another. The, pro the prophecies make that very clear. St. Nicholas of Flu, 15th century. That's the 1400s. St. Nicholas was canonized by Pope Pius XII in 1947. There's a lot of stuff I'm not giving. There's pages and pages. I'm just picking out a, a few a few of them out of out of the book to give to you. And the rest of it is just as interesting as this. I just had to pick some out. Okay. An unhappy time is coming. A revolt 
and, and dissension in the church. And by the, the time they, they mentioned the time is being, being a series of events that will lead up to it. And it's, we've been through those events already, as you'll see in the book. Oh, my children, do not let yourselves be led astray by innovations. Rally and hold fast. Stay on the same road, the same footpaths as your pious fathers trod. Preserve and maintain what they have taught you. Okay, then I'm going to, down to this is the next Hey, one. can I interrupt the, to, in, in that yeah, one? absolutely. <clears throat> That's um, not an interruption. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, we just had the reports that the FBI is after radical traditional Catholics. Mm -hmm. And there just seems to be an attempt inside and outside the church to marginalize anybody that actually believes all of what the church teaches, you know, well, and they're called radical. They're extremists. If you believe all of what the church teaches uh, to me, that seems like uh, part of what we're, we're going through right now. And again, it gets back to that idea of, you know, this oppression, this tyranny yes. that's going on right now that, you know, those are the, those that are truly devout uh, you know, the, that, that go, sir, yes, sir, to God, you know, or, or I don't, I fear the Lord. I, I'm afraid of ever offending you. You're amazing. I love you. Yes. Uh, those are the ones that are <clears throat> getting punished right now, getting abused. Could I, could I add uh, one other element to Inside that? and outside the okay. church. And, and, uh, it, and again, it points to this kind of new day that we're in where, uh, instead of this kind of sense of family and and you know let's let's build up the body of christ and let's do everything that god wants us to do no no that's offensive to people if we actually do everything that god wants us to do i mean uh, to me and the listeners can can you know what i i, I think they they're thinking the same thing yes I is that so. what happened all of a sudden and it just seems in the last few years that all of a sudden it's become taboo to follow the will of God, to follow it completely. Could I add something to that, Father? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one other major group that is taking virtually the same kind of heat as we are, but they're not getting quite as much publicity. Can anybody tell me who it is? Hmm. Orthodox hmm. faithful Jews. Okay. Hmm. Who live to do their best to live by the by the Old Testament. Testament. Um, <clears throat> the, 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 you know, the Shiva University uh, in New York, they're, they're trying to shut it down. Why? Because they believe in the Ten Commandments and they preach the Ten Commandments. Right. Our enemies, our common enemies, despise the Ten Commandments. Right, despise. right. They tried to drive them out of all the state capitals, right? right. In the United States. Right. They've attacked the Ten Commandments because why? Because they constituted, as St. Augustine points out, the, the moral root, <clears throat> not the fullness of, <clears throat> but the root of the moral law is found in the Ten Commandments, okay? Right. The way to live those commandments is found in the Eucharist, confession, the sacraments, and prayer to God, etc. But even Jesus ramped up the game. Uh, our bishop actually put it this way. It's a, it's a difference between minimalism and maximalism. You know, when the, the gospel this weekend was, Jesus said, you have heard it said, yep. you shall not kill. But I say, don't even be angry with your brother. Well, right. in, in today's modern parlance, you'd be called an extremist, a fanatical for, for going to that maximalism level right now. And, yeah, and it, it, just, it just seems that what, what we've passed through or what we're passing through is a time of, um, of conditioning us yes. to be lukewarm. 
That and is I, of course, I think of of of, of Re- Re- Revelations uh, three sixteen. I think it is. Um, uh, oh, how I wish you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I vomit you out of my mouth. Yep. And why the lukewarm? Why not the cold? I mean, they're they're the ones that are, you know, uh, just shut off. God. Well, at least they got a chance for uh for for having a conversion. Yeah, they the lukewarm, care. Though, are they care about something. They're conditioned themselves and everyone else to go at it in a, in you know a mediocrity a minimalism yes. and and satan loves that go ahead and profess that you're a devout catholic but advocate for the killing of children uh and i don't i'm not going to name names right now but anybody can put any name they want to that but you see what i'm saying and yes. that's being trumpeted right now and and, and prophecy speaks to that doesn't it yes it does yeah. yes it does amen to everything you said it's called what is it called it's called the chilling effect Yes. So you punish yeah. some so that everyone else gets mm. the message, oh, I better not be that extremist, devout Catholic, right? And, and when I was a little boy, we called them scaredy cats. Yeah. It, it's, 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 it's food. It's red meat for the scaredy cats. Yeah. Or as the old saying goes, with young kids today have never heard, cowardly, cowardly custard can't cut the mustard. I mean, that goes back to the 1940s when I was a boy. <laughs> And then a coward was prayed for and pitied. Uh, he wasn't the, he wasn't the norm. Okay, here we go. Here we go with with the next uh, prophecy, uh, which is continuing from Saint Nicholas of Flu. I'm going to read this one slowly. The church will be punished because the majority of her members, high and low, will uh, will become so perverted. The church will sink deeper and deeper, and she will at last seem to be extinguished. And the succession of Peter and the other apostles to have expired. But after this, she will, by victoriously exalting in the sight of all doubters, she will she will be victorious. In other words, it's a, this is another one of the prophecies that makes it very clear. What we're going through right now is prophesied, and it's not the end. We're going to live through it. But many of us are going to be tempted to think, oh, my God. Can it really? Maybe these yeah. prophecies were wrong. Can you help clarify for us, Desmond? So our our title is: Are we in the end times? Yeah, and uh, we're not, right? We're we're the maybe the end of a period of time, and and I I think I've heard you say that you think that we're going to get a little bit of a whooping from God, and then maybe a period of peace. Can you kind of flush that all out for us? Well, what, sure. What what, what you? Thing. Yeah. Because we're we're running out of I don't know how much how we're doing on time, so I'm gonna have to hurry. We're good. Okay. In the in God in the Gospel of John, he explains very clearly. Everybody after the uh, passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is living in the end times. He says it just like that. Boom, boom, boom. Okay. Now, uh, so I distinguish, and most uh, classical eschatologists in the church have distinguished between. The end times, which is everything from Jesus in the last 2,000 years plus, mm-hmm. uh, with to the very end times. The very right. end times that St. Paul described mm-hmm. so clearly. Because there were pe- people are running around. Uh, in the second, second Thessalonians, I'm pretty, if I remember correctly, he says, uh, he said, do all, brothers, and says, do not allow yourselves to be disturbed by, by claims that... Uh, I have written or said that the Antichrist is here and upon us. 
in the, he's in, and he and he goes on and he says, "Don't you?" And the end, the end of the end is upon us. And he says, "Do you not understand that before that happens, the fullness of the Gentiles has to come, uh, the Antichrist has to come, his chastisement has to come, and then after that comes Christ." Okay, there's this is not a new new problem. It's a very they were they were already living it in the time of Paul. They was look at Nero. That's what the church non-formal documents say that people were opining that it was people's belief that Nero had to be the Antichrist. He has got to be the one. Look what he's doing. What he's doing is horrible. He was murdering Christians by the tens of thousands in the Colosseum and in the Circus Maximus. Let's go to the next one. Here's Father Bartolo Baltazar Moss, the 17th century, 1600s. The fifth period of the church is one of affliction, desolation, humiliation, and poverty for the church. And he's named, named the other, other groups and said when they began, when they ended. Jesus Christ will purify his people through cruel wars, famines, plague, ep epidemics, and other horrible calamities. He will also afflict and weaken the Latin church, which really means, I translate it as him saying, he will allow the Latin church to be burdened with many heresies. It is a period of defections, uh, cal uh, calamities and extermination. Now he's he's approved by the church. Desmond, let me. I'm sorry, let me jump in real quick here on this. That's what. What Go you're ahead. pointing out here is you've got about a hundred pages in this book that are pointing out all these prophecies that date many, many, many years ago that all lead up to basically telling us that we are being prepared for some sort of chastisement. Exactly. Okay, exactly. and you're saying that a lot of these have they've been hit. They're on the mark. They've already happened. Yeah. They're happening right now. Yes, of course. Another, I returned after a bunch of other prophecies to Holtzhauser on the one we were just quoting. When everything has been ruined by war, when Catholics are hard pressed by traitorous co-religionists. Sound. What's a, what's a co-religionist in this context? When uh, Catholics are persecuted by faithless Catholics. Yeah, because I, I, you know, to me that, well, maybe it's not. I, I've been calling what, what this uh, oppression is a counter-religion, you know, that, right. uh, and, and I call it a pagan woke religion. Right. Uh, and by woke, it just means you'll become gods from Genesis and you'll know good and evil. And in other words, you're, you're superior to God. You're, you, right. think, you think, you know, better than God. They do and, that too. Yeah, and that, that to me seems like a co-religion sounds like counter-religion, you know? No. Is that co, no? co means equal to the same okay. as. Okay. Okay. Uh, traitorous co-religionists and heretics. Then the hand of Almighty God will work, work a marvelous change, something seemingly impossible according to human reason. There are a whole raft of prophecies that say this. They don't tell us exactly what it is, but they all say the same thing. After after man realizes, after the good guys realize there's nothing more they can do and they're just being ripped apart, God steps in in such a dramatic way. It'll be like Nineveh. I mean, it'll be like Jonah. It'll, <laughs> like, like all the great saints, he stepped in and helped and saved. Like St. John being thrown into a pot of boiling oil and he comes out alive. It, it may be something even more dramatic than that. A lot of people, a lot of people think it's imminent. Are you in that school of thought that what do you mean? That that, that this, uh, well, what you just described, the God would, jumping in, that that something's coming. A lot of people, oh. something's coming. 
Well, I think we're in it, frankly. I think we've done it. (laughs) My guess is. Yeah, but 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 what God does, it's miraculous, and yes, and no, that's I don't I don't see that as being right around the corner because there's too much other bad stuff has got to happen according to prophecies before it does. But uh, like what? Oh, uh, we'll be getting to one of them if I haven't skipped over it. The Pope and all of, and all of his brother cardinals having to flee Rome over the bodies of their fellow cardinals, and and, and flee Rome, and and the and the Pope has to take off someplace sac- separate where he isn't known, but then he's found and dies the most cruel death. Mm. I mean, uh, the the Battle of Westphalia, <laughs> yeah, which it, that would take twenty minutes to explain. The Battle of Westphalia is going to be. I might as well say it. There's a lot of people might get upset with it, but when a Russian army invades Western Europe, they're going to get their high knees kicked in the in the province of Germany called Westphalia, alternately called the Birch Tree Country. <laughs> it's birch, it's birch, birchwood, birch tree forests, and all throughout there, and rolling hills. Uh, I could go on for an hour with other things that haven't happened yet that have to happen according to the prophecies. Um, but but what you're talking about when you say things that have to happen, you're talking about catastrophic things wars and and, and yeah okay uh, there one of the one of the things we're told to watch for and one of the prophecies which i which i didn't mark up i should have probably says says when it really is going to come unglued is when france and italy go into civil war at almost the same time hmm. and they say once that happens it's katie bar the door that's signed a bad and that didn't that's... happen in world war Two. no no no, no. Uh, okay no uh france there was no civil war in france well uh, yeah i, I mean th- there was war against each other though during that time well if you're if you're talking about uh patin and and the vichy forces in the south yeah they were they were against each other politically but there was no war between them the germans didn't allow that they couldn't allow things to 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 fall 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 apart that fast because they needed what France could produce for them to, pers- to prosecute the war. Okay. The Germany did not have the resources to, to, to mount an army mm-hmm. or air force or navy that could compete by themselves with everybody and all the allies. Especially Once the U.S. came into the war, that was impossible. They had to have all those other countries and the natural resources and factories that came with it. Uh, Desmond, before we started recording, you... You uh, you had said to us that um, historically a lot of these prophecies were conditional, that there were things that yes. certain conditions had to be met. And I think you said, if I'm not mistaken, these conditions have been and are being met. Yes. Can you can you break that down again for us a little sure. bit? Well, we did. We just if any, if any if I had told anybody when I was at at a Catholic university as a philosophy major and theology minor in the early 60s. If I'd told anybody that within my lifetime, there would be, as Akita prophesied and others, and, and uh, many other saints have done it, cardinal, it would be cardinal against cardinal, bishop against bishop. Anybody who doesn't understand that's what's going on right now either has got their, ear, their fingers stuffed in their ears and their eyes closed, or, or they just don't want to hear it uh, because it's everywhere. It's everywhere. People with, and it's not just here. It's in Germany, it's in Belgium, 
it's in it's in the Netherlands, it's in France, it's cardinal against cardinal, bishop against bishop. It has been now for about 10 years. Do you think that the cardinal, cardinal, bishop, bishop issue is worse now than it has been in the past? The history oh, of the oh, oh, yeah. Because I know some people some people make the argument, well, we've always had this. And I know there's always been this, this disagreement, you know, debate and so forth. But this does seem unprecedented in some ways. Would you agree or, or am I yes, off on that? It's, it's terribly different. They're arguing about basics of the faith. Mm. Is abortion absolutely intrinsically mm. evil? Yes, the church has always taught that. Always. Okay. Mm. Is, uh, is uh, prostitution always intrinsically evil? Yes, absolutely. Uh, is uh, is uh, purposely taxing people who work for a living to give it to people who don't work or won't work, as St. Paul says. It's not don't, it's won't, if they won't. They won't work. Is, is that intrinsically evil? Yes, St. Paul says so. Mm -hmm. He who will not work, also shall he not eat. That's the, is that what's going on in the social welfare programs in, in the Western world, in Europe, or in the United States, or in South? No. All you got to do is declare that you're, these days, that you're poor. But I think your point is important for the audience to remember, because I, I again, I've heard these discussions, these, these, uh, these arguments that, oh, no, we've always had this. You know, we, this has always gone on. But the issues and the topics that you're talking about, what the German bishops have decided to do when it comes to um, you know, you know, so-called homosexual marriage and so forth. I mean, going off on their own, you know, rogue direction. All these types of things seem to be really elevating. The fact that, you know, we've got a priest who's traveling around the United States promoting that while other priests, good priests, have been canceled. Um, and the bishops are either quiet or, or complicit on some of this sort of thing. The issues do seem to be a little more intense with regards to the, the, uh, the disagreement and opposition. Well, let's get to the worst one. The worst one, the battle that took place in the United States over whether politicians or great uh, public mm. figures uh, who were formally promoting promoting abortion mm. or euthanasia, any any of the anti any of the anti life issues, would not would not be allowed to be served communion. Okay, mm. uh, that's never been. A, a battle issue in the United States before. And what could be more central to the Catholic faith than the Eucharist? There is nothing more central to our religion, to our faith, than Eucharist, receiving the body and blood of Christ. Yet, and it's not new. I've seen Paul say, it's terrible. There's 70% of the Americans who don't, Catholics who don't believe in the real presence. You can read, you can read that exact number in TTT, which came out in 1996. <laughs> the figure was 70% even then. I'm lucky, and I'm I'm so lucky. I'm in the diocese, man. The diocese of Denver. We got when when Cardinal uh, uh, when Bishop should be a cardinal someday. Cordelion, Archbishop Cordelion of San Francisco, came out and backed this issue to pass around the petition uh, for all bishops to sign. Okay, who was the first one to back him publicly? My business, Aquila. We arguably have the youngest priesthood in the of any diocese in the united states mm. hands down and the reason is because we've got a bishop who hangs in there with 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 the, with the divinity of jesus christ and honoring his body and blood and a seminary that teaches them that it is in fact the literally the body and blood soul and divinity of jesus christ and you must treat it with extreme reverence when you are saying mass the people 
who see their priest bowing and adoring the Eucharist, they come to believe mm. what they see in the end. Mm. If they don't see it. Yeah. I truly believe that. You help people to enter the divine life. Mm -hmm. uh, Desmond, I was thinking about how uh, we are in a time where the you mentioned the young priests and they're the hope of the future. Yes. Yet there's articles that uh, from the the radical secularists that take great offense at that, and they're the problem, and they're they're uh, yeah they're the dangerous again. They're dangerous. they feel threatened by them. <laughs> right, right, right. And uh, I, I know I it just again it gets back to a lot of people are just seeing the rise of not just uh, the establishment, the elitists, whatever you want to call them, but the arrogance and, you know, the, 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 the uh, they're just right in your face. I know uh, one of the things just popped in my head was the whole idea about using military language. Okay. Of course uh -huh. I have the combat rosary in that, but I mean, come on, read, read uh, all St. Paul's epistles. I mean, it's Soldiers just, of Christ. Yeah, read uh, read all the writings of, of so many of our popes, uh, pa Padre Pio. I mean, you could go on and on and on. We're in a battle, and 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 yet we're 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 being conditioned or trained or indoctrinated into believing that no, that's dangerous. It's it's extreme. You know, you're you're, you're and it, it goes to uh, Saul Linsky's rules for radical. I think it's the twelfth rule is pick the target, freeze it. And marginalize it. Right. And they're doing that like they've never done it before. Yes, I mean, all this again has got well. a lot of people saying, you know, are we are we gonna hit some kind of chastisement or something? Yes. It just seems like it's 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 like the volcano is rumbling, you know, ready to explode. Um do the prophecies speak to that? Uh not directly, Desmond? not directly, oh. not okay. indirectly, but not directly. Yeah. In a one-hour program, we don't have time to go to the indirect. <laughs> we can do that another time, but they do speak to it, yes. Yeah. There's The thing is, despite everything they've done to destroy the priesthood in, this, in, this, in our country and throughout the West, in a number of key dioceses around the world, not just here in the United States or Canada, there are seminaries that are going faithful, that are turning to the gospel narrative of what the faith is about and the life of, and death and, and uh, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And when you've got young, you, 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 you should see our parish. It's one third stair-step kids with, with parents who look like my grandchildren. <laughs> That's my parish. Huh? I, I know, and I, I know that yours is like that too. Yeah, but well, it's, 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 it's simply because We've emphasized this, um, well, I call it my Lord and my God uh, yes. mass. You know, we've emphasized a sense of the sacred. And young people are going, where has this been all my life? You know, a lot of them were away from the church for, for decades because they didn't want to just be a part of mediocrity and, and uh, lukewarm. They, they wanted to be, take it seriously. And, and, and then when you do that, like your parish, all of a sudden they just come in droves. They're like, let's do this thing. That's awesome. You know, they're actually taking it seriously. And I just feel like that that's what we've kind of been going through. Right. Uh, um, I didn't want to put it in past tense, but. Well, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah, but, but, but we're still going through it. 
I can give you a classic example. In our parish, just recently, I'm going to have to be very diplomatic in how I state this because I don't want to cause any problem for any good priests. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it isn't in our parish. Maybe it's in the neighboring parish. Uh, the pastor, with the support of all three other resident priests who are resident in his parish, two other priests in his parish, uh, one of them is is the uh, is the uh, spirit is the very few people know this the uh, the head exorcist for our diocese, and also used to be the spiritual director for the seminarians in our seminary for many years. Very sound man, theologically, spiritually, everything. I mean, they're all doing it. The old hymnal is out the window with his guitar boogie shuffle music. <laughs> and uh, warmed over Protestant hymns uh, with warmed over Protestant theology and, and the lyrics and many of the hymns, it's all gone. It's all gone. And we have a new hymnal that has, would you believe, Latin hymns as well as English hymns yep. that has chant that people say, that's just that's Gregorian chant. No, no, it's not exactly this. It's not the same as Gregorian chant. I used to teach Gregorian chant. No, it's not the same thing. I proved to them it isn't. What is this? It's just chant. And what is it about chant? This works. It raises the mind and the heart to God according to the teachings of the church, not yep. just in the Latin rite, but also in the Eastern rites. They have their chant. It's not our, our chant. It's their chant. Chant properly written, probably done. It raises the mind and the heart to God better than any other instrument of the church. And it's just a fact. People get lifted up in that kind of music. Desmond, I, I want to jump in. I'm sorry, you said something that, that I've been thinking about a little bit earlier, and I wanted to jump in it right now. It seems like a sure. good segue. All the prophecies, the chastisement, the, you know, are we in times? These aren't the end times, but there is a process happening and unfolding. But this is all ultimately to raise our hearts and our minds to God, is it not? Kind of like the idea of reverent music and a reverent celebration of the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. I mean, we're, yes. we're trying, God's trying to get our attention. Is he not to get us back on track to elevate our relationship with him? Is that a simple way of putting it? Because I think a lot of people are, are right now, you know, and, and Father and I talk about this, so we bump into people here and there. And it seems like a lot of people have a sense, have a gut feeling, something is coming, something is happening. Father yeah. and I both have it. You know, you know, there are people seeing the miracle of the sun. There, there, all kinds of amazing things are happening for people, and some of it is a is a heaviness that this is like an ominous moment too, in that this is going to be a serious, and it is already the last couple years. You posted on your Facebook page um, at the time we recorded this, just earlier today, the uh, story by um, Cheryl Comer, or the, uh, the article by Cheryl Comer in Crisis Magazine, um, and encourage people to go check that out. She you know, basically speaks to what we've just been through the last couple, two and a half or so years, and how there's been a real shift in the mindset, but there's been a lot of devastation in the process as well. Yes. And all of these things pointing to God allows this, God may, you know, initiate this, whatever it is, for the purpose of bringing us closer words. to him. You're wondering what encapsulates this. Exactly. Can, can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. It's a time of su both suffering and grace. It's a wake-up call. Suffering gets people's attention. It's a wake-up call. It opens them up to look for new answers, solutions, that no, things aren't going to go on just the way they've been. 
this world is changing so radically, I don't even recognize it. It is not just guys my age who say that. My kids who are in their in their uh, their 30s and 40s, we had six of them, they all say it. We can't believe the, the way things are shaped. Now, two of those kids, unfortunately, think this is great. Hmm. But four out of the six, and so we've just turned them over to her. We It used to be three that thought it was great. <laughs> now it's now it's uh, just two. But, but I think on that point, you just said something that I think a lot of parents out there, I know father hears this from families, I hear it from families and traveling and speaking, is there are a lot of people out there that are so concerned about their kids, so concerned about the direction so many have gone. But as the times continue to unfold, there is a, a, there is a grace with this suffering that God is offering. Is that not correct? That, yeah. that will bring about many conversions in these times as things continue to ramp up and become more intense. Is, yes, is that accurate? I, I, yes, I can recommend this to them. The pain and suffering that a parent goes through when their kid is living outside the faith. Yeah. Like I put my mother and father to, through for 14 years. Hmm, yeah. I told fa father that story earlier today. There's right. no point repeating it here. But something happened to me. And it wasn't any sexual assault thing. It was, it was a very, very bad experience in the confessional. Hmm. That, would, that would be an understatement. I was 14 years old. When I came back to the practice of my faith, even though I believed all that time, was 14 years later when I was going on 28 years old, the day before I was to marry inside the Catholic Church, my wife, who was a convert. And I'm sitting there. Well, I think this story is worth telling. God always. My mother had been praying. She'd been wearing out her prayer bones on her knees for me for years. Okay. Uh, and so had my father. At any rate, on the morning before I was to, to get married, um, my best man, Roy Angevine, he's deceased now, was trying to get a hold of me and I didn't answer the phone and anything like that because I was facing the dilemma of, if I, I can't get married like this, I'll damn our marriage. Uh, theologically, you could argue that's not necessarily 100%, but that's the thoughts that were going through my head. Mm -hmm. I'll betray my wife. I, 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 and so instead of dealing with it, I was drinking. He came over to my place at 11 in the morning. He, he almost forced his way in. He says, I'll take the door down if you don't open it up. He, he, he saw I was drinking. He says, what the hell is going on here? I told him the whole story. He got me sobered up, loaded me into his car and took me to a parish he knew with a really good confessor priest. And I said, what's this? He said, you're going to confession. And I says, well, what if I don't feel like going to confession? He says, well, I can solve that real fast. I'm quite a bit bigger. And <laughs> 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 so we go. And he'd tell this priest who he knew well. He'd prepared and prepped him. What had happened to me? I felt like somebody had lifted 10 tons off my shoulders when I got uh, out of there. Now, I, got, I, I have to say, because I know our audience and there will be people out there who will say, well, the confession isn't valid if you didn't really want to go, if you went because you were threatened. So even by though the, time, by, by the, the pressure time, was put on you, but you still wanted to go, I assume. But, well, once I was in there, yeah, of course okay. I did. <laughs> Why not take a chance? Maybe this one won't do with the so, other one. So the moral of the story there, Desmond, is all these people that have family members that need to get to confession, 
you just got to get like a six, six, 275 pound guy to drag him over to the priest. <laughs> Either that, yeah. or uh, by that or 115 pound, five foot mother who never stops praying for exactly. her. There you, go. there you exactly. go. Exactly. And what, what Gene and I have, have, have learned is, uh, and we didn't figure this out for ourselves. Some other people told us about this. They said the suffering that parents go through who have children outside the church is so excruciating. They said, what you do is, if you want your kid to convert is, you offer that suffering up to our Father in Heaven and to His Son and to the Holy Spirit. And beside that, this one Gene and I thought of on our own, but it was confirmed by others. You you put, you you consecrate them to Our Lady. You put your kid in her hands. The one that's already come back out of the three that were were bonkers. he now has a huge statue of Mary in his house. And nice. His wife has become a Catholic. She was a fun person. The kids are baptizing in the church. And, and nice. he's, out, he's out there evangelizing. <laughs> hey, Desmond, that's a great, great way for us to conclude. Our time is up. Um, you know, let's conclude on a very hopeful note yeah. that prayer is powerful. Mm-hmm. And that that and that's what we're going to do for these ninety days, is we're going to get on our knees and we are going to pray as 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 powerfully as we can. We're going to beg God. We're going to do mortification during that time. Uh, again, it's ninety days to liberty. You can see it at usgraceforce.com. Please, please, please join the tens of thousands that are going to be praying together, and let's see. Let's 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 ask God, beg God for that miracle. Uh, and again, it's not only our outside oppressors, it's all the stuff that we're enslaved to, you know, whether oh, yeah. it's sugar or booze or, or pornography or whatever it is. Been dried you know, out for 43 yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so we're going to get, we're going to get free. Okay. We're going to get free from, from our oppressors, both outside and inside during these 90 days. And, and please, 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 everybody join us. So let's close with a prayer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, Desmond. Good to have you again, brother.